Good morning. You guys are all beautiful, too. I know I am, too. You don't have to say it back. It's all right. If you want to, uh, if you have the notes, you'll, they, they might help you. Um, if you don't have them, they're probably not going to help you very much. But if you want to raise your hand, the ushers can get them to you. If you need some, keep your hand up. And uh, Caitlin's going to sprint through the sanctuary to give them to you. If you flying ahead next time, make them all into paper airplanes. You just throw them at people from one place. Yeah. We'll change the manual to reflect that next week. All right. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. What a good day already. Um, several weeks ago, Pastor Glenn started a, a kind of little mini-series uh, called Action Steps to Defeat Unbelief. Um, and so remember, he came up here and swung an axe at a basketball hoop? Yeah. That was the takeaway. No. <laughs> um, but that, but that it's, you're like, oh, I remember that. Well, that, that's kind of where I'm, uh, I'm piggybacking off of that uh, this morning and adding my own axe, uh, so to speak. Or we're going to be talking about the axe of fellowship. The Lord actually gave me two. Uh, there's so many that we could add. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I studied them all out, and I was preparing the last couple of weeks, and I realized I had way too much on fellowship uh, to go into the next one, it was just good. And I asked the Lord, and he said, yeah, you can just do one. It's okay. And so, we're <laughs> thanks, God. So anyways, we're just going to cover one today, but it's really good. So, But just as a way of quick review, if you don't have uh, Pastor Glenn's notes, if you haven't listened to those two, part one and two, the action steps to defeat unbelief, I told him, and I, it wasn't flattery. It's my favorite sermon that he's ever preached. I mean, it, it, was, it was just so good. There were seven... Uh, axes or action steps that he gave us in the first message, and then one in the second one. So they were, they're in your notes, I believe. Um, the, the action steps were thanksgiving, and the, the kind of the tree or the, the pillar of unbelief that that one goes after is for not believing that God is good, and forgiving others for not believing that you can receive forgiveness, forsaking sin for not believing that you can live with godly confidence and boldness, praying in the Spirit, uh, to combat a, a general lifestyle of unbelief, giving for not believing that God is your provider, taking God's word as medicine for not believing that God will heal you, and obeying 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 for not believing that you can affect our government. And actually, real quick, as a side note, that after he preached that, if you noticed, every, every Sunday morning, we actually pray for our government now. Uh, uh, he, like together. I mean, I know that y'all do that, you know, on your own, but we, we were sitting in a staff meeting one day and we were like, it, it says, first of all, like as the Bible is, first of all, I urge you, I urge you first of all. And we're like, maybe we should do that at the beginning of the service. <laughs> like, oh, bing, we get it, Lord. Anyways, and then the, the eighth one, or the, the, the one that was the part two, uh, was confession. For a general lifestyle of unbelief, and remember, confession means to, to say the same as or to say out loud, okay? And that was great. If you haven't heard them or read the notes, it's all online. So if you don't have online, there's CDs in the lobby. <laughs> there you go. That's Thank you, Rachel. Yes, you get the private, the, the house call. Glenn will come and he'll take your confession. Like 11 of, 11 of you got it. Come on. All right. 
So these couple verses at the top of your notes, 2 Thessalonians 2.13 and Hebrews 4.2, like these were, these were from his messages and really kind of the, the on-ramp to why we, why we even talk about defeating unbelief. It is only when we receive the word of God as the word of God, right, rather than the word of man or the word of something else, that it can perform its work in us. Okay, so that's what we want to set out to do, not just today, but in every day. We want this to actually affect change in our lives so that when we hear the word of God, when we read the word of God, we receive it as what? As what? Come on. The word of God as truth. That's right. Also from Hebrews 4.2, the, the word doesn't really profit us much when it's not mixed with faith. Okay? And so we go after these things, after defeating unbelief, uh, uh, replacing unbelief with faith because it's actually, if you think of it like, if you think of us trying to enter into a, a, a palace or whatever, a castle, and unbelief a lot of times is just this set of guards, this gate, this ugly gate, this barrier to getting in. So we, talk, we, we can't necessarily talk about all the good things that are in, in here when we can't even get past the gate, right? So we got, it's kind of a foundational, kind of a first steps uh, which is why one of the reasons it, it so helped me those weeks ago is that you realize when you when you go back to basics in a lot of these areas and you're like you're, you can hear it and you can go oh that's basic I, I heard that for years I know that I know that I know that I know that but even Greg Thompson said this morning in Sunday school he's like sometimes it's it's nice to be reminded when you little jolt and it's like oh I might have known it here but I didn't really know it because I don't really believe it and my actions show that. Okay, the fruit of that. Unbelief is unfortunately prevalent in the church, and it has to be replaced with faith. That's true replacement theology. I believe in that. Okay? There's a, okay, we're not going to get into that. But yes, they'd be like, you preach replacement theology? Yes, replace unbelief with faith. All right. So uh, first, before we get into fellowship this morning, Excuse me, before we start talking about that as an axe of fellowship, I actually want to define the word, okay? Fellowship gets used a lot. It's a Christianese term, right? Kyle and I make a joke all the time. There's this YouTube video that came out years and years ago about stuff that Christian people say. And there's this guy driving down the road, and he's like, let's get some dudes together tonight in fellowship. Like, no one, no one says that, right? It's just funny because it's just a Christian thing to say. Um, but a lot of the times we actually cheapen uh, the word fellowship, okay? And the, the English language cheapens a lot of words. It's not anyone's fault necessarily. We just don't, we don't have as many good words <laughs> to, uh, that are descriptors of massive things as Hebrew and Greek do, okay, is what the, the Word of God was originally written in. And so remember weeks ago, I taught about how to study the Word of God, called it the B-I-B-L-E, how to approach the Word of God, how to, how to correctly handle the Word of God. Some of, the, some of the principles that are taught in there, actually, I use them to, to come to this lesson here today about fellowship, okay, it's actually going and learning what did the original writer intend when he wrote the word that we translate fellowship, okay? Um, because if fellowship is a tool or an axe to start swinging at trees of unbelief, then I better know how to swing it, right? I better know what it is I'm picking up. Have you ever watched someone pick up an axe for the first time and attempt to cut down a tree? Have you ever been the person that picked up the axe for the first time and attempted to cut down a tree? Stand clear, 
okay? <laughs> Stand clear. I have. I've been the person and I've watched it. It's scary. So I want to give you guys tools this morning. <clears throat> All right. We got to look at the definition. The word that the Greek word where we get the word fellowship from is koinonia. You guys have heard that before. I've taught on it. Glenn's taught on it. It's a, it's a prevalent word. Um, koinonia. Um, in, we, we translate it fellowship most of the time. Uh, in, in Philippians 3.10, it's actually translated share or sharing. In 2 Corinthians 9.13, it's, it's translated contribution. Uh, so if we stop, we learn real quick, we go on and on. There's just a couple definite, couple examples here, but we learn really quick that if we stop our uh, understanding of the word fellowship at like getting together, right? Or like, like, hey, did y'all fellowship? Like that means we got together and ate. Like just stop for two seconds and think in your mind, when you hear the word fellowship, what comes to mind? Like what do you picture? Eating. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's good. Because it whoever said that, it includes that. That's true. That is a true thing. But let's not cheapen the word to limit it to that. That's, that's what we're saying. Okay, and so we say fellowship, we can say this is fellowship. Getting together on Sunday morning and worshiping together corporately. That's great. That is fellowship. What we did in Sunday school, home groups, this is all parts of fellowship. But it's not, that's not the total inclusive picture of koinonia. Okay, koinonia is a, a much bigger umbrella than just gathering together and eating good food. Okay? All right. So um, when translating the Bible, when they see the word koinonia, because koinonia, and I'm gonna, I'll give you the example. There's a, a small uh, definition written in your notes there um, that kind of sums it up. But what happened is, is the, the translators would come to this word, and what they would do is they'd realize that this word is actually so big and so inclusive in the Greek language that they actually just had to translate based on what the specific context was in that letter, in that chapter, in that paragraph, in that sentence, they went, well, uh, uh, he's, he's talking about relationship between believers here, so we're going to use the word fellowship. Well, here he's talking about when believers actually give money, right, when they, or they, they contribute, or they, so we're going to use contribution. Here is actually talking about where believers are sharing in the, in the suffering of Christ, and so, so we're going to use the word share. And, and so that you see how English, we actually have all these different words, but it's the same word. It's koinonia in the original Greek. And so the, their, their task, the translator's task with this nearly impossible task of take this really, really deep, emotional, like uh, relational language and translate it to English and make it make sense. And so that's why they have so many different words uh, translated for one word, Okay. Is this making sense so far? Just follow me on this, okay? So example, for Acts 2, right? We know Acts 2 is uh, the church gets started. Uh, it really focuses, the koinonia, it's used several times in that, in that chapter. It focuses on the relationship among believers. 2 Corinthians 9 uses koinonia to express generosity and community. It's the same word. Um, Paul uses koinonia to describe the way, I, like I just said, that he, he himself identifies with Christ's sufferings. And then John, in his first letter, actually uses koinonia to describe what connects us to God and to each other through Christ. We're going to read that passage just a little bit. Same word, all cases. So if we are going to fully participate in what the Bible calls fellowship or what we are calling fellowship this morning, we have to heed, and, and we're, if, if we're going to heed the, the warning and the call of the, the, the writer of Hebrews, Barnabas, um, or Ananias if you're Kyle, uh, Hebrews 10.25 says uh, to not forsake the fellowship, 
as some are in the habit of doing. So if we're actually to do that, we got to understand what we're not to forsake, okay? All right. So koinonia, I think this is in your notes, koinonia depicts an interactive relationship between God and believers who are sharing new life through Christ. The Greek word uh, captures the entirety, which I believe involves uh, you might, if you have a, if you want to write something down, if you write anything down at all on those notes, write this. Koinonia or fellowship involves active participation in Christian community, sharing in spiritual blessings, and giving material blessings. It involves active participation in Christian community, sharing in spiritual blessings, and giving material blessings. The active participation in Christian community, and we'll break these down and talk about them a little bit more in the next few minutes, but uh, it involves what you're doing here this morning. This is one of the ways that you can actively participate in Christian communities, one of the ways. Sharing in spiritual blessings are when Darlene stands up and she says, my hand just got healed, that's a win for her, that's a win for me, because she's my sister. She's part of my family, and when my family's winning, I'm winning. I get to share in that blessing. I was blessed when she stood up and said, I couldn't move my fingers up this week, and now look, I'm blessed, okay? I'm sharing in spiritual blessings. That is part of koinonia. That is part of fellowship. It is very interactive. It is very real. It is very uh, tangible. And then giving material blessings. Koinonia used very often to to describe this, this act of giving generously, giving radically, as part of fellowship. So if we take away any of those things, we're actually taking away from what the Lord intended for the fullness of this word to mean for us. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so this acts of fellowship, it can be swung at several different trees of unbelief, okay? So there's several different ways I believe that, that fellowship can be used to defeat unbelief. I'm gonna talk about three of them here this morning, okay? It's in your notes. Fellowship, first of all, uh, can be swung at the unbelief or a general lifestyle of unbelief, okay? A general lifestyle of unbelief. When, uh, when the disciples fellowshiped in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says that they, 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 sh- they all had everything in common. No one had any needs. They just gave and they met needs as it was needed. They met together daily. Uh, they prayed together. They broke bread together. It's the word fellowship. They, they committed themselves to these things. Now, that's great, and so we look, at, we look at that was fellowship, that was koinonia. What was the result of that koinonia? I'll tell you what, if there was unbelief there, it got defeated because of the fellowship, because what happens is people were saved, delivered, healed, and added to the church daily. That's what it says. You can read it, Acts 2, 42 through 47. We don't have time to go there this morning. But that is, a, that is a biblical example, plain and simple, of how fellowship made room for Jesus to come in. How it, it got rid of the unbelief that may or may not have been there in whatever level for whatever reason when they came together and they did all that they gave, they shared in the blessings, they participated, and a way was made for heaven to come to earth. Amen? I'm going to tell a story here. Um, Chelsea, <laughs> surprise. No, it's okay. <clears throat> um, a few weeks ago, it was when Glenn preached on um, 
the first message, remember he had us break up into discussion groups after? Do you guys remember that? And so he said, he said, hey, why don't you talk about if y'all have another axe, like what would it be? And so uh, Chelsea and I both were thinking fellowship. And we were like, great. And so she told a story. And I'll just sum it up. But she told a story that she was having a rough morning. Her and Joseph were having just a rough morning, different things that were going on. And they were coming to church. There's a sermon right there. Just to stop real quick. Okay. You do not need another reason to not fellowship. You'll have plenty. You only need one reason, though, to get in the car and go anyways. And his name's Jesus. Okay? They, knew, they know that. And so even though life sucked that morning, they got in the car and they came. That one's free. Actually, it cost a lot. It did. It cost a man his life. But, yeah. Anyways, they get in the car, and they come, and they're running a little bit late that day. And uh, Chelsea tells the story. is they, they walk, and she's just feeling heavy, filled with unbelief, and different things. And she walks in the door during worship. Everybody's worshiping. And as soon as she walks in, all of the unbelief leaves. And listen, no one laid hands on her. Okay? No one cast the demon of unbelief out. You, you know what I mean? This, this was strictly, I came into koinonia happening. I walked into koinonia happening, and there was no longer room for unbelief. God got bigger. He didn't get bigger. He got bigger to Chelsea. And got bigger to Joseph. And I, I, I didn't hear the story until after the service, but I walked in, they sipped by us, I walked out, I looked over, and Chelsea was crying. I thought, oh, wow, she's being so touched. I had no idea what was actually going on. But all it took, all it took to defeat a general unbelief was walking into the room. That's, that's amazing. I'm sure many of you have similar stories and experiences walking in these doors. Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I just walk in and out of the doors. I'm like... <laughs> People see it. You see me on the security camera. I'm just, I'm going to go in again. I'm going to, you know, it's good. Simply walking into the middle of Koinonia was enough. Another thing, another point under uh, fellowship as a way to defeat general uh, lifestyle of unbelief, and not that Chelsea has a lifestyle of unbelief. That wasn't the point in that, by the way. <laughs> Quite the opposite. She's like a pillar of faith. But anyways, uh, you get the point when you participate in River in the Hills, okay? When you're an active participant in River in the Hills, that's Sunday mornings, that's home groups, that's Lake Travis Prayer Room, that's the different ministries uh, that happen, the things that we do. Sharing in the spiritual blessings, and when you give generously, you're truly fellowshipping here. When all of those things are happening, there is a complete picture of koinonia happening. Now, you see my point? I'm not trying to, I'm saying this in the positive on purpose, because you'll know that the, the, that the negative is true, right? When you're not, you're not, right? So that, that goes, I mean, I'd say it goes without saying, but I just said it, so sometimes we gotta just hear it. But fellowship keeps us from isolating also, okay? It keeps us from isolating. You see, Chelsea and Joseph could have easily just stayed home that day, but that's isolating. That's exactly what, the, let me just tell you, let me just unfoil the devil's plan right now, right? That's what he wants. That's what the devil wants, he wants you to isolate and not fellowship. 
Zero koinonia. Koinonia is like a weapon against the devil. You see how powerful this is. A weapon against the devil. And if you're, if you're in some sort of peacetime mentality, you got to get out of it because you got to get into wartime mentalities. We're not in peacetime. We're in wartime. And so if you want to use a strong weapon against the enemy, start participating, giving, and sharing in the blessings because it is a, it's like a sword right to his throat. I'll tell you that. Feel God. Come on. Whew. Isolating is a breeding ground for the enemy. It's the, and the seeds that he starts to sow, and, and when we isolate, are unbelief seeds. So just, let's just get rid of that. All right, number two, fellowship. For not believing that we can fellowship with Jesus. Kyle mentioned a little bit about this when he came off of worship here this morning, that, that there's, a, there's an aspect to walking through the narrow gate of a, of a one-on-one personal encounter time, relationship, intimacy, conversation, where it's just me and him. Larissa Miller, one of some of the videos we watch at the upper room during the weekend here, the, the worship video, she comes off of worship and she has a word about how she sees a picture of how, how it's, uh, Jesus is on the cross and he's, he shows her that he's dying just for her. Like, I'd do it if it was just you, Larissa. And he's like, no, it's just, but he's, so this is idea of, of my connection to the Lord is very personal, but it's also very broad because it includes all of you. We're the family of God, right? So it's like, it's me, Kyle, Brooke, Caitlin, down the road, but it's also just me and him. So it's both. We hold it. But this aspect of just me and him is hard for us to grasp sometimes. Like, how can it be just me and him? How can it be just me and him? So fellowship actually swings an ax at the tree of not believing that it can be just me and him. First John 1, 3, and then 6 through 7 says, that which, I think it's in your notes, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Such a powerful passage. Fellowship or koinonia will actually keep us walking in the light as he is in the light and help us not to walk in darkness. And I'll say it again. You will often, if not regularly, feel like not fellowshipping. I just want to stay home and watch Netflix. Grey's Anatomy's on Oh, I break the spirit of Grey's Anatomy over you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Sort of. <clears throat> Let me tell you, friends, if I didn't, I, I, I wouldn't be loving you right if I didn't tell you. That is when you need fellowship the most. The most is when you're like, ah. no, I'm not, sometimes you need to stay home with Jesus. Sometimes, I'm, not, I'm just saying. But oftentimes, that's when we have to make the courageous decision to just go and then watch God break in. He loves you that much. You're much more important than many sparrows. All right, lastly, number three. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fellowship for not believing that we are called to be part of the body of Christ. And I don't mean just a believer, okay? I mean it, I mean a working, functioning member, all right? Nobody gets to be the appendix in the body of Christ. Turn, turn your Bibles real quick to 1 Corinthians 12. 
starting in verse 12. I'm just going to read this little passage, and then we'll close it. We'll wrap it up. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We're all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. You guys get that? Just because we make some declaration like, well, I don't belong to the body. It actually doesn't make you not a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. You guys stop right here. You guys have dealt with like issues in your body before, right? Do you realize that if you're like when your foot falls asleep and you're like, oh, my foot's not working. Your foot's like, yeah, I'm not going to work. I'm not part of the body. But guess what? <laughs> guess what? It doesn't actually leave your body. What it does is it leaves your body limping, <laughs> right? Or some, sometimes you walk like this. You're like, ah. But, it's, but, it, but guess what? Your foot doesn't leave. You have to deal with it being a problem, a limp. You realize, how many of you have broken a toe? Oh, that's straight from the devil. That's like the, because one, there's nothing you can do for it. Two, two, you, you look like you got, you got hit in the knee with a, with a hammer when you walk. And you're just, you're just limping along. Like, what happened? Like, oh, I stubbed my toe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guess what? The toe is telling you, I'm not going to be a part of the body. In fact, I'm going to cause your body immense amounts of pain. But the toe doesn't go anywhere. Do you guys see the, how it doesn't, how, you, you see what point I'm trying to make here? If you don't, hang on, I'll make it again. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I'm just real quick. You know what was happening here? This is in the context of spiritual gifts. He's writing a letter to the Corinthians because they're walking up and somebody's got this great flashy gift of miracles and they're like, I'm better. We don't need you, little gift of discernment. We don't need you, little gift of administration. We don't need you. And he said, no, 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 no. Stop. Also, he had people on the other end saying, well, I'm just not really part of this, so I'm just, I can just check out. Like, I'm, I don't even have any really gifts. Like, I'm new to this whole thing. I just said yes to Jesus. I, I just, I'm just going to show up whenever it's convenient for me. It's just kind of, good. yes, I believe in you, but I'm just going to kind of, and Paul's like, no, 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 no. You can't say you're not a part of the body. You're just going to make the rest of us limp if you do that. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 
just as I rejoice with Darlene this morning, I suffer with Joseph this morning. If God's placed you as part of the body here at River in the Hills, you don't get to say that you can't, that you're not part of the body. It's not an option. You don't get to say it. Just like I don't get to say it to you. You don't get to say it to me. Because I don't want to walk with a, the, that kind of a limp. I walk with a John Wimber kind of a limp. With a Jacob kind of a limp. Because I've wrestled with God. But we need each other. God has placed us in a family and called us a body on purpose. He could have used any metaphor he wanted. He used body. Why? It's timeless. There's always going to be bodies. We're always going to be able to look and see who's a pinky, who's an arm, who's a shoulder. We're going to see that. All right. <clears throat> if we're believing that we can walk away without affecting others, we're wrong. We have to fellowship to combat that unbelief, that bad belief. Fellowship will knock that wall of unbelief down. It really will, I promise. I tell you from personal experience. This is not like, like personal experience. I've experienced the difference between isolating and fellowshipping. Between fellowshipping just being a gathering thing and fellowshipping being a, no, I'm here. We're going to hold hands. We're going to fight. We're going to cry together. We're going to bleed together. I'm going to give you money. You're going to give me money. We're going to just, we're going to give, 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 give. And we're going to share in the blessings together. I've been there. If you treat, if we treat being a part of the body or coming to River in the Hills or participating, if we treat it as something that only affects us, we've cheapened koinonia because it's not about just us. It involves us. But if we think, well, my, like my contribution to the church or my part in being in the church is just for me, it's actually not. This is for Jesus first. And then it's for the body. It's for all of us. We know that when we gather, we're blessed. Uh, but we really, I, we, I, I don't, I've, in the last year, I've been really, really on purpose every time that I come to any type of fellowship, right? Anytime koinonia is happening, I'm trying to bring Nate's carcass for Jesus. That's why I'm trying to show up, for him first. Now, I'll show up for y'all. I'll be there. I'm going to be blessed, but I'm coming for him to bring him something every time. I'd rather be a blessing to him. And I want a family or a body around me that wants the same thing, that's fully committed to Jesus. And I want you guys to hold me up, to, to help me be more fully committed to Jesus. Kaylee and I, to the best of our ability now, are fully committed to Jesus. And because of that, and according to 1 John 1, we've just read, we're fully committed to each of you also. Isn't that cool? We participate here in River in the Hills, not because I'm employed here. We always say, this is where we'd go to church, whether we worked here or not, <laughs> which is awesome. But we share in the spiritual blessings here. We share because we're followers of Jesus. What's a win for us is a win for all y'all, we give generously because it's koinonia, because we're family, we're in the body. Is this making sense? Good. You receive it well? Good. 
close with this. Worship team, come on up. Listen up. Because Jesus deserves my best, because Jesus deserves your best, y'all deserve my best and I deserve your best. He's worthy and he's connected us through this glorious thing called koinonia. It's really cool. Do you guys ever grow up and have coffee fellowships at your church? Do you ever have that? Like where you, they, they call it that, it's a Baptist thing, never mind. But they, they, that's what they call the time before, before uh, the service. Yeah, it's donuts and coffee. They call it coffee fellowship. Because coffee koinonia, no one knows what that is. It's like, we're all going to drink the Kool-Aid. We, we don't understand, you know. And uh, so, but so fellowship, don't hear me say that fellowship's a bad word and we shouldn't be using it. I just want us to know that in the context of using it to defeat unbelief, we have to fully grasp the entirety of what that word means and what it includes. It is not limited to meeting together and eating. Anybody can meet together and eat. Followers of Jesus meet together and live, which involves so much more than just showing up. But it does involve showing up. All right. study your notes more there's passages in there you can read all those passages that I didn't read or the different uses of the word Um, koinonia just do a google search sometime how many times koinonia is used in the new testament and then go read all the passages and you're like wow this is we have so many words in the english language no it's good all right Dad's funny, huh, Zeke? <laughs> As the, uh, the worship team is going to close here, I want to do a couple things. I have one little announcement to make, and uh, but if you want, if you need prayer for anything, especially as an action step in Koinonia, okay? I don't care what it's for. Our prayer teams will be up here, and but Koinonia involves involves caring for each other also. Okay, so whatever the need is, especially if it's something that you've been praying for and fighting for for a long period of time. I know that's relative, what's a long period of time. Whatever it is to you. I'm saying let's bring it to the Lord and let's bring it to our brothers and sisters in Koinonia to go after it together. Yes? Okay, good.